Welcome to this week's episode of We Got a Mic. Hey, Crystal. Huh? Did you see the moon last night? No, I was stuck in my apartment. What did it look like? It was big, it was bright, and it was really, really round. Oh, right. It's Mid Autumn Festival, isn't it? Yeah. Happy Mid Autumn Festival! But Yvonne, what's so special about Mid Autumn Festival? Well, the Mid Autumn Festival, Crystal, if you remembered from Chinese school. Oh man, that's a long time ago. The Mid Autumn Festival marks the end of the harvest season in Chinese culture, and it dates back several thousand years. And it's the equivalent to the Western、um, Autumn Equinox. Well, that makes sense. It's, it's fall.、Um, but what do we do in Mid Autumn Festival? Well, during the Mid Autumn Festival, either the day of or the days leading to, we usually celebrate by eating as a family. And it's not just your immediate family, it's all your extended family and all your family friends that come together and celebrate this holiday. So, did you do that last night? Oh, yeah. We went out for a 10 course Chinese dinner. It was absolutely delicious. You mean the full dinner with like lobster and fish and chicken and rice? The whole shebang. Oh, that sounds so good. You should join us next time. Yeah, next year. Sounds good. It happens every year on the 15th day of the eighth month or August 15th of the lunar year, lunar calendar. Eh, same thing. Well, what else do you eat at Mid Autumn Festival? Because I remember growing up, the teachers would always make a point of you know, sharing fruits and sharing things that you would normally get out of a bountiful harvest. That's precisely correct. On top of that, though, we have something called mooncake for dessert. Oh, you mean that kind of roundish sweet cake thingy I get every year? Yeah, it's called yuebing. Right, mooncake, literally mooncake. Exactly. Yue is moon and bing is cake. So, did you have mooncake last night? No, but everyone else did, so I was involved. That sounds pretty good. What kind did you get? We had the one with the double egg yolk and lotus paste. Ah, so the really sweet lotus paste and the egg yolks represent the moon, right? Yes, and it's one of the most traditional flavors you can get. But they have all sorts of different flavors now. Yeah, I think there's from like, you know, there's red bean, there's green bean. I hear there's even some ham flavored stuff back in the mainland China. That just sounds weird. I like the ice cream ones. <laughs> oh, yeah, the ones with the, like, the sweet mochi like paste,、uh, like cover or whatever it's inside. I don't know. I've never actually had it. <laughs> I don't know, but it sounds better than what we normally have. <laughs> it does. So, Crystal, I actually don't know the symbolism and the meaning of why we eat mooncakes. I just know we eat mooncakes during this time of the year. I guess we could start off with the mooncake's history.、Um, like many things in Chinese history, it has roots that started over 3,000 years ago. So, this would have been the Zhou Dynasty from 1046 BC to 256 BC, right? Exactly. Okay. So, back then, they actually had. Precursors of the mooncakes called Tai Shi Bing. And back then they were actually kind of puffy in the middle and thin on the outside. And they were filled with things like sesame and walnut. 
That actually sounds quite delicious. Yes, it actually sounds much better than the lotus paste we eat today. Yeah. <laughs> and as people started playing more with the fillings or experimenting with them, they came up with different names for them. So for example, ones filled with walnut would be called hubing. And over time, these treats, these, uh, I guess, taishi bing, became foods that were used for offerings, so religious offerings, or as a way to symbolize respect and gift giving to people that are above you in status or just, you know, that you respect. And so these hubing or taishu bing, they were only used as offerings during the agricultural harvest season, or was it used for something else? It was actually just used in general, at least as far as I understand in my my research. It was just used generally as a symbol or as just a food product that you would give as a sign of respect. So it didn't really have anything to do with the moon at all? No, not yet. So how did it turn to that way? Actually, that one had a really f- interesting story. Um, so early in the Tang Dynasty, which was between 618 and 907 AD, one of the emperors were given some of these hubi as an offering from a, maybe a dignitary or some nobleman. Basically, someone gave the emperor a bunch of cookies for <laughs> as a gift. I wish people would give me cookies all the time. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? So he shared some of this stuff with his most beloved consort, Consort Yang. So these two lovebirds were hanging out in the back of the palace at night and watching the moon. And they both agreed that the name Hu Bing was probably not a very pretty name. It, to them, it didn't sound poetic, it didn't sound beautiful, it didn't sound nice. And we knew the Tang Dynasty was all about poetry, art, and elevating culture. Yes. So, you know, in the midst of their dating, date night, I guess, the beautiful consort Yang gently uttered the word Yuebing out of respect for the moon that they were looking at and viewing that night. And Yue means moon in Mandarin. The emperor loved the name, and here we have it, Yuebing. And that's how it got associated with the moon. So a thousand years later, and we're still using the term Yuebing, And the funny thing is that what they ate back then is probably very, very close to what we eat right now. So we could be eating the same kind of thing that the emperors ate a thousand years ago. This is like royalty food. Essentially, it's pretty cool, right? That is pretty cool. (laughs) But Crystal, you still haven't gotten to the point how it actually ties to the Mid-Autumn Festival and why we eat it now. Well, would you believe me if I said they had something to do with the fall of the Yuan Dynasty? Wait, so these desserts brought down an entire dynasty? Yes. Absolutely yes. Anyone who's ever studied or briefly learned about Chinese history know that there are a lot of dynasties in ancient Chinese history. Well, there's several thousand years of history, so I figure they're they're not all ruled by one royalty. Yeah, um, or one royal family. Exactly, and with each dynasty comes a rise and fall of an empire. That brings up a lot of stories, and one such story is actually the one of the Mooncake Rebellion, which led to the downfall of the Yuan Dynasty. So who? 
who or what was the Yuan Dynasty, and why did the people of the time wanted to see their fall? Well, the Yuan Dynasty started in 1271 AD and ended in 1368 AD, and they're special in the sense that they were founded by foreigners. So they were not founded by Han Chinese. So who were they founded by? The Mongols,、uh, and specifically descendants of Genghis Khan. So kind of like in Mulan. Essentially, yes, because Mulan took place in the late Song Dynasty, which preceded the Yuan Dynasty. So, why did the Hans wanted to overtake the Mongols? Like, were they treated poorly, or? Yeah, that's exactly it. The Yuan Dynasty and their officials. Viewed Han Chinese, so that Han ethnic Chinese that we associate with China today, as being the lowest of the low. They would place every other ethnic background above the Han Chinese, despite them being the majority of the population. The Yuan Dynasty was also very careful.、Um, they're very good at maintaining order, and used tactics that would be considered very cruel and brutal to control. And make sure that no one would try to incite rebellion. But obviously, doing something like that would mean that the people aren't really happy with you. So, what did the Han people do, and how were they like successful? Well, for many years they weren't, which is why they lasted so long.、Uh, there are many insurgent forces and many local militia that really tried hard to take over. But it wasn't until a guy named Zhu Yuanzhang came along that things started to turn around. What happened during this time, and how did Zhu Yuanzhang contribute to the fall of the Mongols? Well, Zhu Yuanzhang was around towards the end of the Yuan Dynasty, and he was actually a military commander of the rebel forces. As a military leader, he probably we he knows that in order to Mobilize. You have to organize first. But he had a problem. It was very hard to communicate with other forces and leaders because the Mongols were exceptionally good at intercepting any kind of communication at all. So, what did he do to get around that and to essentially incite rebellion? His close advisor Liu Bowen came up with this plan. Actually,、um, they wanted to take advantage of the fact that the Mongols didn't like Han Chinese food. That's all fine and dandy, but I don't see how mooncakes ties into all of this. Well, you see, Mongols don't eat mooncakes. In fact, Mongols don't really eat any Chinese food. But they also knew that mooncakes were a Han treat that were passed down over the centuries. I mean, with such a huge population, it's kind of a hard thing to miss. So what Liu Bowen did was he came up with the idea of putting slips of paper saying "Attack the Mongols on the fifteenth day of the eighth month." Inside these mooncakes, what Zhu did was pass along these tampered mooncakes to all the different forces and tell the Mongols that he's doing this in honor of the emperor because mooncakes are a very special treat. That's actually quite genius. So they were able to finally pass on their message and communicate with their forces through these mooncakes. Exactly, and they were doing it right under the Mongols' noses because, hey, you're not going to stop someone from honoring your emperor. So when the fifteenth of August came, everyone was ready. All the leaders came together, and they were able to overthrow the Yuan Dynasty under the leadership of Zhu Yuanzhang. 
So what happened to Zhu after the overthrowing of the Mongols? Because he was such a great leader and because he had everyone following him, he ended up founding the new dynasty, the Ming Dynasty. During his reign, he ensured that everyone from the highest nobles to the low, lowest peasants got mooncakes during this time of year in order to commemorate the fact that they were able to overthrow foreign power. So we still eat mooncakes to this day to remember and commemorate where we came from. Yeah, um, so it's a very, I think it's a very meaningful treat because not only does it symbolize uh, family and friends and a great harvest, it also symbolizes the fact that Han Chinese were able to overthrow a foreign power that were basically squashing them like bugs at the time. I think it's also important in our own personal histories too, because if this didn't happen, I don't think we would be around. No. That's enough about history. How do we celebrate it now? So we celebrate it now with food and family, like any other Chinese tradition. <laughs> yes. This is one of the biggest celebrations in Chinese culture. And so this full family affair brings together family and friends and joy. And the atmosphere that comes with this is what we refer to as re now. And this term re now really encompasses coziness, celebration, and closeness that being with others bring. And of course, we celebrate with mooncakes as well. Not only do we eat mooncakes, but we are all about the gift giving of mooncakes. So it's kind of like an early Christmas. The act of giving mooncakes is the act of giving blessings and wishing other families prosperity. So it's a huge sign of respect. And it's really important to distribute and give people mooncakes to show them that you care about them. And I'd like to know, note that we don't have paper in our mooncakes anymore, so we don't write secret messages to send each other, although that would be pretty fun. I think that could be a Kickstarter campaign that we start next year. Yeah, let's do that. Um, so what are your favorite memories growing up? I think my favorite memories that come with the Moon Festival is that we got to stay up really, really late, especially if it was a school night. It was such a treat. We got to stay up late to watch the moon. And there are certain years where the moon is so close to Earth that the moon covers the entire horizon and it glows orange and it is just a beautiful sight. And if you're lucky enough to see one, it's quite the experience. Well, my favorite memory of the Mid-Autumn Festival wasn't as, I guess, poetic and pretty as what looking at the moon. For me, it was playing with lanterns, with real fire. It wasn't until we were older that my family bought the, uh, like the, the electronic ones that had the weird, funky music playing out of it. In the beginning, we actually played with real paper lanterns and lit them up. Uh, and my cousins and I would actually run around the backyard and enjoy having spending time with each other. That sounds like a lot of fun, but if you are going to try this at home, please do it under under strict parental supervision. Yes, I was definitely very strictly supervised. Don't worry about that. <laughs> That's all fun. So the Mid-Autumn Festival is truly a time of celebration and being together with family. And it all started with someone making some cookies for some very special people, and then someone using those cookies to incite a rebellion. And that's the Mid-Autumn Festival.
Ta-da! Thank you for joining us for another episode of We Got a Mic. Bye. Bye.